The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. It's good to see you and have you here the first uh, Sunday of the year. If you have your Bibles, turn to First uh, Samuel chapter 26. So, man, I am a guy who, uh, when you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, I love joy. I like to be walking in joy. I like to experience joy. And if my joy meter's down, I just kind of, like, I don't like it. I'm not a very, obviously, enjoyable person to be around. But I'm used to being high on my joy uh, meter. And, and one of the things that can <clears throat> impact that is, is conflict. We have some conflict show up in our lives. And if I have some unresolved conflict with somebody, man, it it just, it boogers me all up and can make me walk in a place where I just am not enjoying life. And, and so here's the problem is that conflict is inevitable. We're going to face it. It happens um, to us. And, and, you know, the Bible calls us, um, the Word says, as much as it is possible for you, be at peace with all men. And so I try to live that out. I try to be at peace with all, all men, all people, and do the best that I can with that especially if I know that there's something there, I, I want to work through it. And so like, that's, that's, I think, one of the keys to being able to walk in a really joyful place in your life is be at peace with people. Um, don't let conflict uh, you know, mess everything up. Figure out a way to navigate through it. And so that's uh, you know, a, a really important thing for us to do. But conflict happens, man. And it hits us out of nowhere, and whenever it hits us, like we... It can kind of back us up. We don't know how to respond to it. We're like, what, what is going on here? As a matter of fact, um, for me, 30 minutes into the new year, man, I got hit right upside the head with conflict. I was like, what? This is going to be a great year, I guess, for me. And, uh, and so, like, I had to figure out how to navigate through it. And, and it's not uncommon. These things happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen with our spouse. We don't know when it's going to happen with a friend. We don't know when it's going to happen with some of our kids' friends. We don't know... Um, that are, those of us are younger and still in school. We don't know when it's going to happen to a, a fellow student, someone we think is a best friend, and all of a sudden we're in conflict with them. And so the Word calls us to be at peace with all, all men, and so we have to figure out how do we navigate through that, and that's extremely important for us to learn. But one thing is for certain, in a fallen world, conflict is, is going to happen. And so we've talked about revenge, and anger. And, and it's, it's fascinating to me, chapter 24, 25, and 26, they, they're kind of bookended with these two things that happened with David and Saul. And then right in the middle, David is um, um, dealing with this guy Nabal, and, and Saul is the alter ego, and David is about to do the wrong thing, and all this stuff happens. But we learn in these three chapters about revenge, anger, and today we'll look at conflict, and, and we see um, it's a fascinating story that is very similar to chapter 24. In chapter 24, David is like Saul comes into the cave that David is hiding in. It's a very large cave. David and his men see them see him approaching there at the back of it, and and Saul literally comes in there and he could have killed him and he cuts off the hem of his robe. And so it's like God brings Saul to him. And so this time Saul. Like he's gotten stirred up again, and even though he said he wouldn't pursue David anymore, here he is back after him, and, 
And this time it's a little different. We see that David, what is different is that David has matured. He has more confidence in God. He has a greater level of wisdom. And this time Saul doesn't come straight to him. He ends up going to Saul. And we see something fascinating happen. And we learn, I think, how as disciples we're to deal with conflict. How can we deal with conflict? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond to it? whenever it happens. So let's just jump in the story. I think it's a pretty cool, cool story. Um, it's only 26 verses long, 25 verses, so it won't take us long today, and uh, we'll go eat. Sound good? All right, amen. So it says, the Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah and said, is not David hiding on the hill of Hakila, which faces Jeshemon? These guys, man, I don't know what their problem was, but they just kept being a thorn in David's side. Why didn't they leave him alone? He was doing a lot of good in their region, but they kept betraying him. And I'm reminded, um, as I look at that, is that's kind of like life. It's like it doesn't matter if we have people's best interests at heart. A lot of times, man, it doesn't matter. They're just going to do what they want to do, and they're going to think about themselves, and that's what they were doing, trying to vie for a position with the king and get him the good side with him. And so they just tell the king that David is here. He's hiding out. And so Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with his 3,000 chosen men of Israel to search there for David. And Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Akilah, facing Jeshimon. But David stayed in the desert. And when he saw that Saul had followed him there, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had definitely arrived. So David's like, okay, he gets word. He's got some intelligence of his own. It comes to him that Saul's coming. So he sends out a couple of scouts. And sure enough, they find out where um, Saul is camped. And so it says, then David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. And he saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had lain down. And Saul was lying inside the camp with the army and camped around him. So, like, obviously it's it's nighttime. They have camped. David is snuck in, um, and he and a few guys, and he wants to see this for himself. And so then he's looking, and he's like, man, what do I do here? And this is pretty fascinating. He sees all of this army that's camped down there. There's 3,000 people, it says. And they're down there in the midst of this, by this road, and saw, or David obviously has the advantage, and he's thinking to himself, what am I going to do? And so this was his idea. He asked Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zariah, Joab's brother, who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? What? <laughs> Who's going to go down right in the midst of the enemy with me? And one guy doesn't say anything, and the other guy is David's nephew, and he says... Uh, I'll go with you, said Abishai. And so David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. They go down, they sneak down in there, men, and they're all down in there, and they're looking around. Abishai's probably a little nervous. David's probably a little nervous, but he feels like God is leading him and is in the midst of this. And he gets down there, and lo and behold, the entire army, they're all asleep, man. And they're just sneaking around through the camp. And, and so they start having this conversation. And it says, uh, Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. He looks, David, that's him right there. Like, 
He's done, man. We can go back home to Israel, and everything will be normal in our lives. Abishai's like, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. <laughs> this is hilarious, man. No, we're not going to kill him, man. Like This is the Lord's anointed. Just take his spear and take his water jug. Let's get out of here. And they run off. All right, so that's what happens in the story. And so David took the spear and the water and jug near Saul's head and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping. This is a good, like if you're taking notes, underline this one in your Bible. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. You don't always have to rely on no-dos to get a good night's sleep. Like sometimes you just need to ask the Lord and say, Lord, I'm tired. I need you to help me with my sleep here. And man, I've been amazed at the times that I've asked the Lord to help me and just give me a good sleep, and he has done uh, that very thing. And so I think that's pretty cool that um, the Lord is the God of sleep. And David recognized that something was going on, that it was, it was not normal for these guys to be like this. And he saw the Lord in it. The Lord was moving in this situation. And so then David, he crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the hill some distance away. And there was this wide space between them. And he called out to the army. And he said, Abner, and son of Nair, aren't you going to answer me, Abner? That's how sleepy they were. They were out, man. He couldn't even get them to wake up. He had to call a couple of times. Abner kind of comes to and he says, who are you who calls to the king? And David says, you're a man, aren't you? <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, you need to man up, bro. And he says, and, and, and who is like you in all Israel? Why didn't you guard your lord the king? Someone came to destroy your lord the king. What you have done is not good. As surely as the Lord lives, you and your men deserve to die because you did not guard your master, the Lord's anointed. And like Abner's like, where's Saul? And he looks like, what is he talking about? Who is this? There's Saul right there. And like he's thinking, what is going on? They're all nervous. They've just woke up from a deep sleep. You know how it is when you're in a deep sleep and you woke up, you're, you're kind of nervous. Like when you have one of them nightmares, man, and you're like, boom, boom, <gasps> You know, like that. They were in a deep sleep like that. They wake up, and they're looking around and trying to figure out what's going on, and this guy's screaming at them, saying, Where, you didn't protect the king, man. You, you're supposed to be a man, and you didn't even do your job. You're the bodyguard of the king, and, and you didn't even protect him. So Admiral's looking around. He finds the king. What's, what's he talking about? The king is right here. And then David says, look around. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were near his head? Oops. <laughs> you know? Maybe somebody has been in the midst of the camp. And so Saul recognized David's voice, and he said, Is that your voice, David, my son? And David replied, and watch this. Yes, it is, my lord the king. The guy's trying to kill him, and he acknowledges, Yes, it is, my lord the king. And he added, Why? is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done, and what wrong am I guilty of? Now let my Lord the king listen to the servant's words. 
If the Lord has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, men have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. They have now driven me from my share in the Lord's inheritance and have said, go serve other gods. Now do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. He's like, what are you doing, Saul? Like, you're the king of Israel, and you're out here chasing me. And then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have erred greatly. Remember what a fool is. We learned that last week. The fool is set in his heart. There is no God. We're not saying it's a stupid person. We're saying that the Bible, when it mentions a fool, is a person who lives like there is no God. And this is what Saul is acknowledging. I have, I have acted like a fool. I've acted like there is no God. And he says, David responds to him and says, here is the king's spear. David answered, let one of your young men come over and get it. And then he says this, the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. We can see how David lives in that verse there. And Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. And they never saw each other again. It's the last time that they see each other. And we'll begin to see how this thing um, plays out in Saul's life. But when we look at that, um, there are a lot of takeaways uh, from this passage. But let me give you a few real quickly um, that I see when it comes to resolving conflict. We know David has a major conflict going on in his life. And here are a few things, very simple, um, hopefully easy for you to remember and practice and I've practiced them, and over and over throughout my life, I've seen the Lord work as I um, try to react to conflict this way. Here's the first thing. Be different. Be different when it comes to conflict. Love is not always popular. Like It's not always the popular thing to do. Remember, David's men that came to him when he first ran from Saul, the first 300 that came to join him, they were discontented men. They were in debt. Their things were not working out well in their lives. And so um, this is the second time that they have encouraged him to do what? Look out for number one. David, you, like, God is giving you Saul. Like, here he is right here. I can pin him to the ground. And so they're trying to get David to look out for number one. And David refused. And here's what I want you to understand. A sin is still a sin, even if your friend says it isn't a sin. Okay? It's still a sin. What you got to know is what does the Lord say about something? And when you know what the Lord says about something, that's what you walk in obedience with. Okay? And a sin is still a sin. A wrong is still a wrong. Even if we can find someone who says it isn't, if it is a wrong and it is a sin, it is a sin, and we cannot get away from it. And so in the midst of reacting to conflict, we have to know, if what I do in retaliation here is a sin, should I do it? And the answer, obviously, is no. 
And so David showed Saul and his men genuine love by being different, okay? The, the popular thing to do is always going to be retaliate. It's always going to be get even. Somebody says something on social media that kind of irks you, like it's better to keep your mouth shut. Like I tell my kids this all the time when they're just rambling on to something and they're in the wrong place. I say, you know what the word says? They say, what? And I said, the word says, even a fool seems wise if he keeps his mouth shut. So zip it. Like sometimes it's just better to be quiet. And we have to understand like in response to things, even sometimes it feels like, man, if I don't say something, then it's going to look like um, I'm wrong or something of that nature. And so we feel the need to defend ourselves and we jump in the midst of the battle. And the word is teaching us, even in this example with David, to be different. And so David showed Saul and his men genuine love by de- being different. Here's the second thing, be humble, be humble. After David took Saul's stuff and got some distance between him, he called out. And he, um, he basically, he could have just left But he wanted to interact with Saul. He wanted some resolution. He wanted to try to reconcile. And the first thing he does is he submits himself in humility and asks for perspective. Like he calls him Lord and King. Even though David has been anointed the next king, he knows that right now Saul is in this leadership position. He calls him Lord and King. He submits to his authority and he asks him to give him perspective. What have I done? Like what have I done for you to treat me like this? And, and, and so here's what I see happening, is that, that David is trying to do everything that he can to make sure that he is not guilty of causing Saul to behave the way that he is behaving. And here's what I see, is that we cannot love people if we do not see them clearly. And so David is really trying to listen and see Saul clearly. See, I, every time I say that, see Saul, it makes me laugh. See Saul. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, so here is, he's trying to see him from God's perspective. If you don't see people from God's perspective, you cannot love them, okay? Like, especially people you're in conflict with. When conflict happens, the first thing you have to do is not react to your emotion, but to ask yourself, how is the Lord looking at this right now? What is the Lord seeing in this moment? And as you begin to do that, then you begin to value people and you can react to them in humility as opposed to in defense, okay? So we cannot love people if we do not see them clearly. So be different, be humble, Humble yourself in the situation. Don't feel like you always have to protect yourself because remember, we've been learning throughout these last three chapters that vengeance belongs to who? The Lord, not to me. It is the Lord's responsibility. So be different, be humble, and be patient. David knew this situation was orchestrated by the Lord. He recognized that immediately when he could walk right into the camp and these guys were not, um, no one was being aroused as they're walking around and talking Um, there's something going on here. And so he recognized that it was orchestrated by the Lord, so he trusted the Lord for deliverance. And David offers even to make a sacrifice. He says, "If, if, if I've done anything to offend you, Saul, tell me what it is, and let us offer a sacrifice and reconcile. I'm reminded of Jesus saying, if you're at the altar and you're making an offering to the Lord and you realize that you've offended your brother, 
then get up from the altar and go and make it right with your brother before you um, uh, finish your offering. Then come back and make your offering to God. And so that's what David is doing here a little bit. He's like, man, if, I, if I've done something, let's talk about it. Let's make an offering. Let's get this behind us uh, and, and move on with our lives. And then he waits to listen to Saul's response and rationale. So David is a good listener. In the midst of conflict, what is David doing? He says something, and then he listens, okay? Most of the time in conflict, what we do is we say something, and after we say something, we think about what we're going to say next while the other person is talking. And so they talk right past us, and we talk right past them. We have to listen, and we have to be able to hear what it is that they're saying. We cannot love people if we do not see them clearly, and we cannot love people if we do not hear them. Then he waits, he listens to Saul's response and rationale, and, um, and then um, he, he doesn't try to take up for his own rights. He's really trying to hear um, what's going on here. So to trust the Lord in the midst of conflict, what should we do? We should be patient. We should wait, see what's going to happen. And sometimes that takes more patience than at other times. Sometimes we have to wait longer than we do in other situations. And then here's the final thing. Be forgiving, okay? So be different, be humble, be patient, be forgiving. When it comes to conflict in your life, it's not retaliation, it's not be quick, it's be different, be humble, be patient, don't be quick to speak, be quick to listen and slow to speak as the word says and be forgiving. Saul is overwhelmed by the behavior and so he admits to wrong and he promises to quit pursuing David. And so what I see in this is that love is powerful. David is now driving the situation by taking this approach. Now Saul is listening. Now Saul realizes, wow, man, I, I really blew it on this one. And so there's fertile ground in the heart of Saul. And so da David is now driving, and, and, and he still has Saul's stuff. Now, a lot of people would say, I deserve to keep this stuff because I should have cut your head off, and I didn't but I am going to keep your sword and your water jug to remind you um, that, that, that I could have done it. But he doesn't do that. He says, send one of your young men over. I'm going to give you your stuff back. And so David let Saul retrieve his spear, and I believe it is an act of forgiveness. It is an act of, here, here's a peace offering. And he trusts that the Lord will make things right. Okay, here's the deal. By the way, Happy New Year. This is going to be a short sermon. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, this is what the Apostle Paul says to us. When we meet the Lord, okay, we meet the Lord and we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we are to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is very important. The last part. Against such things, there is no law. There's a law against everything else. There's a law against vengeance. There's a law against meanness. There's like, what is he saying? He's saying you put yourself under the burden of the law and you're bearing all the responsibility if you react in this way. Because he, prior to this, he talks about the deeds of the flesh and there's anger and dissensions and backbiting and all of these things. But he says, 
So there's a law in all of that. You're bound by the law. But in this, there is no law. There is no law against love. And so when we react, even to somebody who means harm for us with love, this is why Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When we react in that way, then there is no law that we're operating under. We're operating under the grace, and therefore we can expect God to intervene into the situation. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so as I'm walking this way, and I'm walking in love, and I'm walking in patience, I can expect the the Lord to intervene. And so here's the big idea of today's talk. Always rely on the law of reproduction. Like if you'll just do that, if you'll always rely on the law of reproduction in your life, you will begin to see the blessing of God being poured over you. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, after Paul teaches us all about this uh, walking in the fullness and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, he says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You sow the love and the kindness into the ground, you'll reap it. If you sow the the anger and the meanness into the situation, you will reap it. You say, no, I don't know, Jimmy. I don't know. I don't know if I like that's great, Jimmy, and I, you know, I, I I see this, but you don't understand what it's like at my work. The fool lives like there is no God. The wise man trusts the Lord, even when it means that it's totally out of his control. He's yielding to the Lord and acting like the Lord wants him to act. And here's what I believe is happening: is that that the Lord is looking from his throne, and he sees, and he blesses. And he pours out his blessing on us when we're walking in obedience. Jesus taught um, in in the uh, latter part of John. He taught that the way that we walk in our joy is complete is by walking in obedience. So uh, I had a friend pass away, um, and I went back to Oklahoma to do the funeral. I left Friday and came back Saturday. So a real quick trip, left about uh, three o'clock on Friday and got back last night about five. I was driving home. All I wanted to do is get home. I needed to run up to the church and do a couple of things before um, I went home. And so as I'm driving up, I'm coming down 151st from I-35 and I'm topping over the hill as I'm heading toward Antioch and I'm about probably a quarter of a mile away and I see some boys walking on uh, the south side of 151st Street. And they're walking, and I'm watching them. And, and to everybody else, it was a group of high school boys. But in the front, the back of the head, a quarter of a mile away, I could tell by the gate that one of those boys were mine. And it was Jonah. I wasn't 100% certain, but I was pretty sure. And as I walked up, and I, or as I drove up and got closer and closed the distance, He and some of his friends were walking to Sonic, and sure enough, he was in the front, and it was Jonah. From a quarter mile away, I could tell, that's my son. God is looking down from his throne, and what he is looking for is his son. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. So he's not looking, when he looks at my life, he's not looking for Jimmy Holbrook. He's looking for Jesus. And when he recognizes Jesus in me, he can pour out blessing on me. 
And so when he recognizes from a distance that I'm walking like Jesus, and he goes, that's my boy right there. That is what I came to die in order for people to live like. Then he can reward me the blessing of the walk that I'm walking. Sometimes we look at people and go, man, why does it seem like God just moves in your life so much and the Lord's not moving in my life like he's moving in your life? Because you're walking like yourself and not like your father. And so the Lord can't see Jesus in you because you won't die to yourself. This is a whole gospel message. Die to yourself so that Jesus can live. And so every day we are to die to ourselves. Take up your cross daily and die to yourself. Why? So that the fruit of the Spirit could be born in your life and that the Lord could look down from heaven and go, there's my boy right there. There's Jesus in that person's life. I'm going to pour some blessing out upon them. But as long as we're walking in disobedience, we cannot expect God to bless us. It just doesn't work that way. Like God could not retain his holiness if he blessed unrighteousness. If he blessed disobedience, there would be something severely wrong with the Lord. And so like we look at that and we go, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean what do I need to do? What you need to do is trust the Lord and quit trusting yourself. Quit trying to defend yourself. Quit trying to live everything according to the way that you want to do things and start yielding to the Lord and obeying where he's calling you to obey and watch him pour out the blessings on your life. Like, man, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And I can tell you that on the times that I have lost my cool and I've reacted in conflict, I've re- reaped the reward of that. And relationships have suffered severely. But when I react the way the Word teaches me to react, the Lord always seems to work in it and it comes back and there's reconciliation that takes place. Even in the story that I, I started with about experiencing conflict, it's already been reconciled. And all I had to do is trust the Lord with it. And that's a beautiful thing, man, because if if we're not experiencing that, then what happens is it just starts to squeeze and and crush the life out of us because the Lord is not having his way. But when we're walking in that obedience and we're trusting the Lord, he's moving in our midst and we're seeing incredible things happen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.